when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, Not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of our, the Lord. Let us pray. Father, how profound is this scripture? It feels like anything we say cannot do justice to this moment. Because you, our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, our Creator, got down and washed feet. Lord, would we live out this example as you've called us to. In your name we pray. Amen. Imagine that you found out today that you only had one night left to live. Only one final night with all of those that you love, your friends, your family, all those close to you, your spouse. What would you do? What would you say? How could you capture the significance of that moment? What would you, what would you give to them? What words would you say to them that they, they would be able to hold on to those, that moment? How would you celebrate it together? How would you do justice to this powerful last night? It is a difficult question, is it not? It's hard, it's hard to engage with. I know myself, uh, a couple years ago, we found out that my grandmother had a brain aneurysm. And so we, we drove up to Canada, and we went, and, and I knew for a fact probably that this was going to be the last time that I was going to talk to my grandmother. This, this woman that had been there all of my life and was so important to me, that had been such a powerful example of, of faithfulness, a strong Christian woman who was a widow, who had, just would tell you stories after stories of growing up on the farm, of all these wonderful things. And here I was, talking to her for the last time, and I just felt like anything I said didn't really give it the significance that I wanted. Nothing felt enough, you know? Nothing captured this moment. And yet, tonight, for Jesus, we arrive at this moment for him. 
The shadow of the cross is looming in the background of tonight. And he's celebrating Passover with his friends. And he knows that this is going to be his last meal together with his disciples before the coming betrayal, before the chaos that's about to ensue. And so what does he do? And now I wonder, for those of you that thought about what you would do on your last night, how many of you, how many of you thought to yourself, you know what I would do? I would go into the people, the, the homes of those that I love, and I would go into their bathroom, and I would deep clean their bathroom. How many of you said that? How many of you thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wash all the dishes. I'm going to make sure I take out the trash. I'm going to make sure I do all the chores they don't want to do. No, right? Probably none of us thought of that. That was definitely not on the top of our list. We think of our last night, we think of what? Luxury, of comfort, of privacy with those that we love, right? We would only have the people that we really care about, not the ones that make us uncomfortable, not the ones we don't really want to invite. It would only be our exclusive people. We only have so many hours left. We would want to be with them. But look at Jesus, his final lesson to his disciples. We see an object lesson, an intimate lesson, and one that these disciples will never forget. After this moment, think about the rest of their lives. They're probably replaying this moment over and over in their heads, thinking about what Jesus had done and, and the significance of this. And it probably grew as they grew. And my prayer is that tonight, that, that would be your experience. That you would see Jesus in a new light. That you would see the significance of this moment. And that you would see the, the sacrificial love of Jesus, our first point. The sacrificial love of Jesus, and that you would also see the sacrificial calling that Jesus is going to give to us. So first, let us look at the sacrificial love of Jesus. Look with me at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, He laid aside His outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around His waist. And then He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. You know that Jesus in this moment knows that his betrayal is about to come. And so for his final lessons, what does he do? What does he do for his final lesson? Jesus, the King, the Son of God, he takes the role of a servant. He gets down, he stoops low, and he washes their feet. This would have been something stunning to witness. If you were in this room, living in this culture, living at this time, witnessing this would have blew your mind because it's important that you know a couple things. One, foot washing would have been a common cultural thing. It's actually something that hosts would often offer to their guests. And it, was a, it, was a, it was a great way to show special honor and hospitality. But you know one thing about that that wouldn't happen? The host would never be the one to wash their guests' feet. Why? Because feet and washing of feet was definitely something that was reserved only for slaves, really. And even, I was reading, uh, one commentary said that in the Jewish tradition, they wouldn't even have the Jewish slaves wash the feet. It would be the, only the Gentiles. This is who it was reserved for. Not even the Jewish people. And so this would be demeaning, humiliating to see Jesus doing this. And then think of this climate. You know, imagine these, these feet. Imagine these type of feet. People that walked around barefoot with sandals, that walked around overcrowded roads in the Ju Judean climate, right? Hot. These would be hot, stinky, sweaty feet. They walked behind animals. And when you walk behind animals, you know what happens and what you step in, right? And so these are the feet. It makes me think of me as a soccer player. After a long season, my shin guard smelled terrible. Okay, you open up that gym bag, it is awful. 
These are the feet that Jesus is about to wash. But further, you know, further even more shocking is this dynamic of Jesus as the rabbi, the teacher, this honor society, that a rabbi, sure, he might teach on humility, but he would never stoop so low as to act as a slave to his disciples. And the disciples in this day, they were supposed to give their rabbi the privileged seat. He would be the first one to be served at a meal. This was someone who deserved respect. He would never stoop so low and act like a slave. But the shockingness even continues. Did you notice in, in verse 2 who was also here? None other than Judas, right? The one who we know would soon go on to betray Jesus. He is present in this most intimate moment, and Jesus washes even his feet. In verse 3, it even continues. Look at how it talks about Jesus. Knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands. What does that convey of Jesus? Power and authority, right? Wouldn't Jesus be right in this moment to say, hey disciples, you wash my feet. He'd be completely in his right, correct? But what does he do? He washes their feet. He stoops low. He puts his finger in between their toes in the funk. Our Savior gets down into these gross feet and washes them. One commentator puts it this way, Think of the Holy One who came down from heaven, thus engaged with sinners, the majestic being whom angels adore, abasing himself to the occupation of a menial servant. So why is Jesus doing this? What, what is his purpose? Maybe you've experienced something like this. I know me, as a, if you've ever played team sports, often you'll, you'll have these moments where you go through practice after practice after practice. And sometimes it feels like you're practicing these things that don't make any sense. They seem kind of useless. And me as a high school soccer player, we'd be running these really specific drills for certain scenarios or these plays, and I'd often be like, why are we doing this? Like, shouldn't we just be doing something fun, like practicing shooting or scrimmaging, something I actually want to do? Like, coach, does my coach even know what he's doing? And then, of course, right, we'd have a game, and everything would be on the line, and then this one specific scenario would happen, and I'm like, oh, look, uh, the punk teenager didn't know better than his coach. He's been doing it for 40 years. You know, this coach knew what he was doing. And, and we, would, we would practice, and then this scenario would happen, and we would be able to execute when it mattered. My coach knew what he was doing. And I feel like, in a way, Jesus in this moment is giving his disciples a timely lesson. A timely lesson. Their final practice before the big game. And so how did they respond to this, this moment Think of the awkward silence that's probably in the room at this moment. Jesus is doing this, and all the disciples are uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. And who's the first one to break the silence? The same one that always breaks the silence, right? Peter. Peter speaks. Look at verse 6. Peter, he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answers him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus, no, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Peter, again, always the first one to speak. One pastor put it this, Peter only takes the foot out of his mouth to put the other one in it. I think pun intended, but that's so perfect, right? He's always taking one foot out, putting the other one in. He's always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, and you can see he does it twice here. He's always missing 
the moment. And he's got a pretty strong reaction to, to Jesus. In the Greek, we kind of miss it. But if you see that, Lord, you never wash my feet. In the Greek, it puts Lord at one end of the sentence and feet at the other end to kind of show that you and my feet do not go together, Jesus. No way, no way. And Jesus responds to him, if I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. That's a really strong response from Jesus, right? You will have no part of me. You have no part of this family. If I do not wash your feet, Peter, you have nothing to do with me. And you hear that, you're probably like, why? That is really strong, Jesus. Jesus really cares about clean feet. He really wants you to smell good when you're eating with him. No, there's something more going on here, is there not? Clearly, Jesus is getting something more than the importance of having clean feet. You see, through this act, he was showing them the whole point of his ministry. He's showing them that he is preparing his disciples for the cross. I think you can hear a couple of texts behind this. Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or Philippians 2, 6 and 9. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He used his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, in this moment, he's saying to Peter, Peter, if you will not allow me to wash your feet, if you will not allow me to humble myself in this way, how are you going to accept the humiliation I am about to endure on the cross on your behalf. You see, this is pointing all, this always has been pointing towards the cross. And this is the glorious truth of what Easter is all about. That Jesus came to die for sinners. That as he's pouring out the water in this basin, that he is about to pour out his blood on the cross to atone for sin. And it's only through this perfect sacrifice, through the humble and sacrificial death on the cross, that we are made right with God. This is the only way to be restored. In reality, it humbles us all before Him. As the hymn perfectly puts it, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to Thee for dress. Helpless look to Thee for grace. Vile I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Wash me, or I die. So how will you respond to that? Will you respond like Peter in your pride? Will you say, Lord, not, not my feet. Not my feet, Lord. Would you rather clean yourself up first? Would you rather get yourself clean before you receive this cleansing from Jesus? To sanitize yourself. To sanitize your sin. With our religious rhythms, right? Through our religious practices. Trying to earn our favor before God. And missing the freedom of this moment. Missing the freedom of Jesus' sacrifice. We miss this promise. One author put it best. He said, There is no other way of being Christ than in receiving the cleansing He died to bring. If He does not wash us in this way, we have no part with Him. It is only in accepting the truth that we cannot secure our salvation by our own effort that Christ can cleanse all who trust Him that we are freed from our sin and brought into Christ's salvation. We cannot earn this by our own effort, only through Christ. Amen?
This is the beauty of Easter. And this is the beauty of this moment. I hope you don't miss it. But we don't also, we don't only see Jesus' sacrificial love, we receive quite a a calling if you look. We receive a sacrificial calling. Look with me at verses 12 to 17. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, and you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We see this powerful display of humility, and he he looks at his disciples, and what does Jesus ask? Do you understand? If I am your Lord, if I am your teacher, if I have done this for you, then receive this, this calling that I am about to give you. Verse 15, For I have given you an example, and that you also should do, just as I have done for you. Jesus is calling them to act as he has acted already towards them to receive the love that Jesus has given them, and then to to give that love to those around them. To embrace a life of humility, of tenderness, of sacrificial love. And this is a life-changing calling. And in reality, this is the key to what community is. This is the only way that community functions. And in response to this calling, this is how the church acts as the church. A humble, sacrificial people. One author put it this way, and I think it's the best quote I've heard on this. He said, We have been commissioned, initiated into the the fraternity of the water basin, the people of the towel. We are, as the church, the fraternity of the water basin, the order of the towel. This is a countercultural calling, is it not? We are to be people who are sacrificial in our love, who are humble in our love. We are the order of the towel. A personal hero of mine who really embodied this like, like no, none other of my heroes is a man who once taught at Notre Dame, Yale, and Harvard, this brilliant religious scholar who walked the halls of academia. But, you know, even in this environment, you know how he felt? He felt empty. He felt like he couldn't pray. He had lost his love. He felt lost, and he desired to rediscover God. And so he, he began to hear about this community called Larch. And so this man, Henry Nouwen, is his name, he went to Larch, which is the French word that means the ark. It was a refuge, a place of safety, this communal home for none other than the physically and mentally disadvantaged. And so to this place, from the halls of academia, Henry Nouwen moved to live amongst these people and to serve them and to live with them. And you know what happened to him? He found that his prayer life began to renew. He found that he had this love for God that he didn't have. That all of a sudden, his life was changing. And he knew it was because of these wonderful people that he was living amongst. To minister to those that society had discarded. And you know, this puzzled his peers. In an interview about this, the interviewer asked him, he said, Henry, aren't you wasting your life? Aren't you wasting your abilities? Like, why, why would you go and do this? You know why he did that? Because he was a part of the fraternity of the water basin. 
that he lived a part of the order of the towel. He understood and he saw Jesus' example. And he would go on to write one of the best books on Christian leadership that I've ever read called In the Name of Jesus. And in it he said this, the way of the Christian leader is not the way of upward mobility in which our world has invested so much, but the way of downward mobility ending on the cross. That is what it means to be a Christian leader. And when our world is so focused on picking ourselves up on the backs of others, what are Christians to do? To stoop down low and to pick others up. Our, Our world doesn't even understand it. They don't understand it. And so what is this sacrificial calling? What does this even look like? I want to give you a couple things to kind of hook, to hook something on. First, it looks like having eyes open. It's so easy for us in our day-to-day life to go from one thing to the next and to be so focused on what we have to do next as a family or to get so-and-so done. And I think it's so easy for us to miss the needs that are right in front of us. Think about Jesus in this moment. How many excuses does he have to not wash his disciples' feet in this moment? Countless, right? He's literally about to go to the cross. But in this place, in this moment, here he is doing something so menial, so humbling as washing the feet. So what would it look like to have eyes open in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our workplaces? What would it look like to look for needs to help serve? And second, it looks like hands extended. Hands ready to get down and to get dirty. We know that loving people, loving sinful people, Inside the church, outside the church, it is dirty work at times, is it not? It requires something of us. But Francis Schaeffer once wrote this question that I think is so good. He said, we should ask ourselves from time to time, whose feet am I washing? Whose feet are you washing? Think about that for a second. Who are you currently washing their feet? Metaphorically, how are you serving them in a way? How are you getting down and dirty? How are you loving them practically. And it looks like stooping low. It looks like getting down. No matter your your station, no matter where you are, no one is too good or too important to change a diaper. Amen? No one is too important to wash some dishes, to take out the trash. As Christians, nothing, we are not above any of these tasks that are so practical but are such a way to love those around us that we should be willing to stoop low. If the king of heaven and earth stooped low to wash the disciples' feet, we can stoop low to a couple other tasks we don't want to do. Amen? (laughs) To fulfill the calling of the people of the water basin, the fraternity of the towel. And finally, it looks like embracing the other. Remember these people that, who are the people that Jesus is washing their feet in this moment? Remember? Judas this betrayer, this one that said he was his friend and would eventually betray him. But who else is there? Peter, right? Who would go on to do what? Not even 24 hours later. Deny him three times. And all these disciples would abandon him in his final moments. And so we should see that and respond by loving those, even those we would call enemies, even those that make us uncomfortable. Even those we wouldn't want to invite to the family dinner, those are the people that we are to embrace. Because it is through those people and through the love of God that we as the church can act as the church and to love those people in a way that this world will never comprehend. But I want you to love, eyes open, hands extended, stooping low, embracing the other. And how do we do that? Look with me at verse 1. 
This is going to be our, our rallying cry, our banner that is waving over us. Look at the end of verse 1. It says, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I want you to meditate on that promise, that amazing verse right there. That Christ loves you. That Christ calls you his own. That he loved you even to the point of death. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. What can separate us from the love of God? Jesus calls you his own, and he cherishes you with a love that will not end. With a love that will stick to you through the good times and through the bad times. He clings to you with a never-ending love. So let this be the banner that flies over the people. The people of the order of the towel, the fraternity of the water basin, those that love with eyes open, hands extended, stooping low, and embracing the other. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this amazing text where we see that you love sinners, that you wash the feet of sinners, and that you call us to get down low and to wash the feet of those around us. Why? Because you love us to the end. In your name we pray. Amen.